Now, I started the last podcast talking about some good trash that I'd been watching, and I've been watching some other good trash. Oh, what a surprise. Pam and Tommy. Have you watched oh, any of that? Okay, let's talk about Pam and Tommy, because I'm interested in your thoughts. Have you watched any of them? I've watched about three episodes. I've watched, I think, four. Um, I never would have chosen to watch it, but somebody said to me, you should watch this, it's good, I think you'll enjoy it, and I really have been. Um, it's... It could have been terrible. I think the thing that makes it is the two actors playing Pam and Tommy who are actually, they imbue them with, they don't play them as caricatures. They play them quite earnestly as fully rounded kind of people. That's not to say that, you know, Tommy, um, what's his name? Last name, Tommy Lee. He still comes across as a bit of a dick, but but it's not he's not like a caricature. He's <laughs> coming across as a bit of a dick. I yeah. Mean, wow. Is it? I think it's best not to say exactly what the thing is that is <laughs> I've never seen done on television ever before. No, but, but it comes up in I think the second, yeah, first or second, second episode. Yeah. This thing happens. A device is used. Anyone that that's watched it knows. Indescribable what we're and just <laughs> the most surprising <laughs> thing I've ever seen executed on startling, television. Startling. Just like, and so. Gwen had watched it and she said to me and Jeremy, oh, yeah, in the first or second episode something happens that is just – she said, I won't say what it is, but it's just like, uh, w- wow. What just happened? <laughs> and, then, and so Tom, Jeremy and I were watching it and this thing happened and we just looked at each other like absolutely mouths agape going <laughs> – Oh, what? Does that work or is it just so shocking that you just don't know what to think? It makes me laugh a lot, but also it's a bit like Monica Lewinsky. You view that whole Pamela Anderson sex tape thing quite Mm. differently now with the benefit of hindsight Uh, and just changing standards. And so um, it kind of, it does give you that sense of how utterly horrifying that must have been for her to be at the centre of that. And also really interestingly kind of unpacks the fact that it was one of the first things to go viral on the internet yep. and that that was what allowed it to spread so widely. And what happens is um, in the shows you get an, a, like a real, like an account of exactly how that happened. And exactly how that happened was that, you know, um, a person working in their house stole that tape and then um, tried to sell it to various, um, you know, sex shop, I mean, sex you know, porno producers, none of whom would touch it because it was stolen um, and you can't distribute it without the consent of the participants, which absolutely was not sought or given. Um, so they started a mail order business, just mailing out videotapes to people because it was before you could download stuff on the internet. So it is kind of like both the birth of viral material and the last gasp of video like yeah. at, at, at once. Now, here's the thing, though, and I hope you don't feel like I'm just going to be like dropping a full moral, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, um, bomb on you here. Um, but like... I was quite enjoying the series and I thought all of that stuff was interesting. Um, I do think it's really interesting to revisit um, the shaming of Pamela Anderson. I think sex tapes so often are kind of released with it and it was circulated without the consent often of women and they end up suffering for it more than the men in the sex tapes do. Um, so I applaud all of that. But then I read that the producers of Pammy and Tommy were asked by Pamela Anderson not to make this program oh. and they went ahead with it. Oh. And then I stopped watching it because I thought, oh, Jesus, wow. really? Like, I thought, I mean, fine to make those points, but, I mean, it seems like, I don't know, I haven't read oh. enough about it, but it made me immediately think, 
oh, great. So we're all doing it again. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if she feels the same having seen it. Like, was that... So if she asked them not to make it, she was m- maybe worried about what they were going to do. Yeah, I, I don't know if she would actually. feel the same. That would be interesting because I was reading... Um, the other thing that's happened since we last potted was tragically Shane Warne died. Oh. Um, and I was reading Eddie yeah. Perfect did this wonderful post about Warne the musical mm. and Shane didn't want that to get made either. He was against it. And, but then he loved it when it came oh, out. that's interesting. Because I think sometimes people where, you know, the public has a lot of opinions about them, you yeah. could understand how, and, you know, clearly somebody's profiting off Pamela Anderson's experience and story and yeah. it's not Pamela Anderson. Because right. that yeah. show's based on a book that was written by yep. a journalist about what happened yep. with that. Um, and, you know, Warney the Musical, I don't think Shane Warne would have profited from that. He didn't write yeah. it. He wasn't involved in yeah. producing it, creating it or anything like that. So my assumption is he didn't benefit from it. Um, but, you know, public figures have public lives. Mm. Do you still own your own story? You know, mm. it's really interesting kind of um, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it definitely that revelation made me feel not good about watching it. Yeah, so, that's interesting. But I, I'll Google that. You raise an interesting point. Like, I don't know if she changed her mind afterwards. Um, it's, it's quite – I thought it was sympathetic to her and painted oh, her sure. in a pretty good light. Oh, yeah, yeah um, for sure. But, I mean, I, I guess – Still I your story splashed around. Yeah, and also, you know, I guess in her position you wouldn't really love um, the prospect of another burst of people yeah, talking about it. Definitely. You know, maybe going out and finding it and watching it again just yeah. for recreational purposes. Like, you know. Definitely. And whether or not, you know, as we know, to make something fit for television, you have to leave out a lot of stuff because you can't get everything in. Yeah. But when something is produced that becomes widely watched or read, it becomes the record of yeah. what occurred, even if yeah. it's fictionalised. Yeah. And so people would believe that that's definitely what happened, even though, like, I don't know, is that exactly what happened? I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Like, the, yeah. the guy who steals from the house, it's portrayed that he does it as a kind of a revenge act for Tommy Lee, who's acted like a complete asshole. Oh, totally, and yeah refused to pay him and just been an absolute tool right um anyway, but you know is that true i don't i don't actually know um but yeah warney um oh god that made me sad and i've thought about it a lot um and just you know because i did that big interview with him that i yeah. wanted to do for a really long time um which we played again and um adam gilchrist actually said this on the show but we spoke on the phone um on um the sunday night after warney died and he said to me um Oh, Shane was really happy with that interview and he rang me straight. He was really nervous because of your reputation and he rang me afterwards and said, that was great. She really got me and it was really fun and he said he was so thrilled with the conversation that you guys had. So that made me feel really good about it. Well, if you think about it, like that, I mean, even watching the funeral, I thought so much of the, like, warny um, on-camera speaking, um, uh, you know, library of vision is really just him with other guys going oh you would oh my mate, mate. <laughs> you know I, I just i don't know i find that a bit exclusive to watch like i don't really get into it but um there really aren't that many serious interviews of shane Warne by people who aren't cricket tragedies yeah um yeah and i think you mentioned that michael parkinson did a good interview with him many years ago but like how weird that there is this sort of selectiveness or that you know because it, it seems like the world re-warny is either a cricket fan that's just like oh my god this man's a god or people who don't like cricket who think that man's a bozo and yeah I think, I think what you did in that interview was to kind of create a little bridge it was like a really valuable um piece of you know 
history now that he's gone. And I was very yeah. sad about it too. And I also, I did watch the funeral, um, even though it, like, in a very 2022 move, totally steamrolled the premiere of our show, um, Tomorrow Tonight. <laughs> 2022 strikes again. Anyway, do watch tomorrow tonight. Wednesdays at nine. Um, and I was like Charlie Pickering. Okay, well we did all right. And Charlie's like, yes, we were um, we were beaten by a funeral, but otherwise. It was fun. Um, but I really liked hearing from um, Shane Warne's kids. I thought oh, they yeah. just were like massively decent people, and I liked hearing about the things that he taught them, even though. You know, from the externals, you might kind of look at that guy and think, well, you, you're, you have no moral code and you're, you know. When I read his book, Prepping for the Interview, um, I was left with the impression that Simone Callahan must be an incredible person because sure, yeah. he gave over a chapter of his book to his kids to write. Yeah. And the gist of it, it was, it was a really great chapter of the book. And they write about him with a lot of affection and kind of warmth, mm. but also... No um, no kind of glossing over, like, that he's really hurt them and embarrassed them mm. and, and being, you know, there was very difficult aspects of things. But the fact that, and I mean, you know, as, as we all remember, the kind of humiliation of Simone at the time worn and, and, you know, just the impact that would have had on the kids would have been just terrible. Mm. And, you know, women in, and, and men in that's kind of a marital situation often badmouth each other to sure, the kids yeah. and all the rest of it and you know let's face it nobody would have had more grounds than Simone Warren yeah. to feel pretty aggrieved at her husband's behavior and the level of public humiliation but she clearly whatever she personally might have felt did not infect the children with that yeah. because the children's attitude was um dad is a flawed person but we really love him and he's yeah. our dad and he's still a great guy and I just feel like she must have been so generous and and um you know a very big person to mm. ensure that the kids maintained a really good relationship with Shane and I think that that just is such an absolute credit to her because not not you know a lot of people would yeah. be that kind of generous oh, and magnanimous and 100%. caring of their children yeah and also of Shane yeah. to try to protect that and, and yeah. as you know you saw they've the kids have turned out great which is a credit to Shane as well but you know professional athletes they're on the road they're away a lot so there's yeah. no doubt Simone would have done the heavy lifting with all the oh, you know home kind of stuff so you know they're both I mean, Warney obviously is an extraordinary and unusual figure, and she clearly must be an extraordinary person um, as well. I was thinking too a lot about, you know, why is it that people, you know, everyone was talking about it, and there was a lot of affection for Warney that I kind of felt like I hoped that he was aware of in his life. Because I remember in that interview he said he talked about Sometimes he'd rather be at home on the couch with his mates because you walk into a bar and everyone's got yeah. an idea about you and they go, oh, Warnie, you're a fucking legend, you know. Yeah, let's have a beer. And you feel like you have to yeah. because you'd let, let them down. And, um, Which would be hard for the kids, right? You couldn't oh, have a totally. shot with dad without... Totally. You know. And he said, you know, that he was worried what people think think of you. And I said, oh, what do you think they think of you? And he said, oh, maybe you're a bit of an idiot and stuff like that. So clearly he had an insecurity maybe that people judged him and viewed him in a certain way. But obviously when he died, what was revealed was this huge sort of outpouring of public affection, mm. um, which, yeah, I just thought, oh, I hope he did know, like, how much affection he was held in. And I was thinking about, you know, how many public figures would trigger that kind of affection, and I think there'd be very, very few. Sure. And I think undoubtedly a lot of it comes down to not just the thrill of watching him play and what an amazing player he was, but also... 
um, his complete unapologetic authenticity, which Mm. not that many people have that kind of genuine... I think it comes with vulnerability, like that there's a certain vulnerability in his authenticity, and I think that people find a connection um, in that. Like, I know myself when I think of him, whether I'm thinking of, like, chubby Warney on the field, like, running around in ecstasy after he's just bowled somebody, or whether I think of just... Or having just actually dropped an ecstasy. (laughs) (laughs) Or whether I think of him in the tabloids, like, dating Liz Hurley. Like, just every time I think of him, like, it just makes me sort of smile. Like, it's just... It just always brought a lot of, you know... I, think, I don't know. I like I like the fact that in this particular person who just was born with this profound gift for cricketing strategy, allied with a, just a massive capacity for cock ups in his own personal life, right? Like just always made the right call on the cricket field, very regularly made the wrong call off it, and you know, <laughs> I mean. We sort of, in Australia, I think are prepared to embrace that as part of this larrikin culture. And, you know, I know I'm a horrible old, you know, um, misinterested and the rest, but, like, I think that sometimes that is available to men, but it's not really to women. And I think think when we find, you know, social nirvana in this country, it'll be – we'll be able to appreciate the full spread of a lot of different people's, you know – Lives and successes and imperfections, not well, just sporting heroes. In the same period that there was a lot of public affection for Warnie, there was a lot of public affection for Ash Barty when she, because she announced, you know, she's yeah, but she tennis. never fucks up. That's the point. Right. Like that's the point, right? Mm. It's the exact opposite thing, which is um, what do we revere and and love about Ash Barty? Mm-hmm. It's that she she never make, makes a public spectacle of herself. She's yep. disciplined. She's nice. Yeah. She's polite. You know, she's like kind of not, not like warning in yep. a lot of ways. Like Yvonne Gulgong, like Kathy Freeman. Yeah. Like all of these people who have genuinely become sort of female sporting heroes, they, they usually have not put a single foot wrong. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think to the, the interesting thing about Ash Barty though, is that like Warney, um, there is an authenticity there, which is I'm doing things my way. I'm yeah. not doing things based on what other people yeah. expect from me, yeah. which is, you know, pretty admirable. Um, now, you were talking about books in the last pod. I haven't yeah. done a, a heap of reading, but I've done a little bit, um, and I've got a few things that I wanted to oh, chat about. So you'll remember that one of my favourite books is um, A Fraction of the Whole by oh, Steve Tolls. Sure, yeah. I remember when you interviewed him, you were, like, pacing for weeks, (laughs) rehearsing lines on me. (laughs) So Steve Toltz has a new book out, um, which I took a photo of, and now I can't find it. There it is. Um, It's called Here Goes Nothing. If you liked A Fraction of the Whole, you will like it. If A Fraction of the Whole and his kind of sense of humour is not something that you got, you won't like it. Oh, right, okay. Um, I love The Fraction of the Whole. Great. Well, you'll probably like it. He's got a very um, quirky wit and sense of humour and lo- loves a bit of wordplay and yeah. uh, so I just love him and I was yeah. laughing my ass off and constantly funny. screenshotting things to send to people so can I um, just read you a couple of bits that yeah. I saved um, so he's got this character called Gracie who is a she kind of has no skills so she sets herself up as a celebrant <laughs> and she's a sort of truth telling her, her, her shtick becomes I'm the truth telling marriage celebrant and so she just says things that you would never hear at weddings so I saved this um, from a wedding um, gently Gracie gently jabbed first the bride then the groom in the chest with her finger 
Most marriages are kept artificially alive because consolidated assets are a nightmare to disentangle. (laughs) Have separate bank accounts just in case. Maintain a tidy roster of common enemies to keep you on the same side. (laughs) Also, killing spiders is not a gendered task. Willow, get in there. And Gary, don't be one of those deluded married men who look at every beautiful woman as the road I totally could have (laughs) travelled. And here's a big one. Fight or flight? The smart ones always pick flight. You can't lose a flight. another one which i was just crying with laughter because it was just so ridiculous it was she does a baby um dedication so dedication is that actually a term well uh, yeah i think it is actually or whatever it's called um so she goes uh four days later gracie received a request for another blessing this baby's treated your body like an overnight bag she announced to the newtown couple who'd hired her anyone do a background check on him here is a being crawled forth from a deep dreamless sleep what's his name jack jack was born non-consensually but let's not victim blame (laughs) we love we love our children and bear them no ill will at first Being, being born is okay for personal growth but aside from that what's it good for she took her eyeliner from her bag and drew angry eyebrows on the baby let's draw on this lonesome baby she said gather around draw something come on everyone wrote a little message or doodled smiley faces or stick figures or love hearts it's anonymous write your wishes your curses why not let this be a tradition the human race is a blank slate it was all open the ground was shifting all right now step up and kiss the baby on the soles of his feet she was making up traditions on the spot it was ridiculous and she knew it now i want the parents to stand in front of me she slapped the father's face then the mother's face got them both to get them both to admit their worthlessness as parents in training and when they cried she applied their tears to the baby's forehead oh my god i want to read this immediately it's it he's imagination i mean that's why i love a fraction of hole his imagination is wild um oh man i just was laughing so hard it's so irreverent too it's right? so irreverent it's just, he's completely irreverent kind of reading it with a hand over your mouth thinking, oh, oh man god, i just allow i just loved it um i also read um so I listened to the audio book of Becoming by Michelle Obama. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't mean to do that, but I haven't. It's good. Um, I <laughs> I just lost interest in her company after. <laughs> wow. You're such a hard ass. I've only heard sort of rapturous reviews of this, but sales is like, do you know what, Michelle? I've got an appointment. I got a long I way. Go. I got a long way through. I got to... Uh, <laughs> They're in the second Obama term. I just kind of, I mean, the whole way through, I was just feeling like, wow, you two are just so impressive and amazing. Like, they are phenomenal people. Um, And then (laughs) I'm just bored of her. (laughs) Is it because you were looking for a bit of, you know, weakness and flaw and there wasn't any? Yeah, yeah. They didn't, I mean, when she would talk about her vulnerabilities, it'd be things that you'd go, oh, geez, anyone would feel overwhelmed by your husband's the president. Like, it was... Yeah. But it, there was if never I have a problem, it, it's that I work too hard. And yeah. yeah. And it was kind of like, um, I don't know, she just said, now I'm going to get fit, now I'm going to grow vegetables. Now, like, and it always seemed, works out. Yeah. Damn her. Yeah. Um, she, she was pretty... She, I mean, she is a very, very impressive person. Um, but it wasn't the feeling of... Remember when I did Dave Grohl's audiobook and yeah. I felt like I just spent 11 hours in the company of the most interesting, fun person yeah. ever? I didn't feel like that. Um, 
Oh, speaking of which, Foo Fighters drummer. Oh, no, I thought of you as soon as that happened. I had only just interviewed Dave Grohl, which was... um, 2022, man, it sucks. Now, the other, a couple of other bits and pieces that I've read and one other thing that I wanted to read you. Mm. So I read this book called, it's just a short essay called Power and Consent by... I've read that. Have you? Oh, great. Rachel Doyle. Rachel Doyle, let's see, yeah. It's really really good it was fantastic so it's having a look basically i've actually mentioned it on the podcast before mate but you just honestly it's one of those ones you didn't really take in i did not um you are the worst i know sorry tenth time this has happened oh god um okay so i probably previously previously explained to me why it's so good previously on no no so obviously if you've read it you know it's about it's exploring sexual harassment in workplaces and the way people respond to it um and her experience as a lawyer but one of the things that I thought was fascinating was she talks about how um, when we talk about sexual harassment now we talk a lot about it's victim centric Mm. and so it's around um, well we need to do things to encourage you to come forward and Mm. we need to have a process so things can be investigated and all the rest of it and she said processes like that are problematic because firstly victims don't always want to come forward and sometimes it it might be something that's pissed you off but you don't really want to make a big fuss about it you just would kind of like it dealt with but not a big drama um and then also it's very humiliating for the you know supposed offenders if they fit if it's something like you know a clumsy oh i asked her out and i thought she was keen on me but it turns out she wasn't i didn't realize i offended her and then that can be quite crushing as well so we're talking about low grade you know kind of confusing encounters in the workplace here not not full-on um you know abuse so she said i reckon that we could have a look at some education around red flags which is um so that people are aware you know you're not going to stop people having relationships Mm. in the workplace and being attracted to each other so let's just accept that that's the reality instead of trying to say no relationships can happen and let's apply these red flags so she said what about this as a suggestion in order to ensure that you proceed with with caution and in accordance with the law first are you older than the woman you are proposing to touch kiss or proposition is that age gap significant more than 10 years if so the first red flag has gone up Second, are you more senior than her? Are you more than one rung higher up in the hierarchy? If so, your second red flag has gone up. Third, ask yourself this question and answer it honestly. Do you hope or even expect or require that she will keep what is about to happen secret? If so, this is a huge third red flag. What a to good put way it, of thinking such about a good way to think about it. To put it another way, will you be perfectly comfortable if, following this kiss or lunch or fondle, she tells her mother, best friend, husband, or your colleagues what has just happened, or are you expecting or even requiring her to keep it secret? If you expect secrecy, this is your biggest red flag. Huh. If you get to this point and the red flags of age gap, seniority gap, and insistence on secrecy have gone up, then be warned: you are entering high risk territory. It may be sexual harassment. You need to be careful. You need to do your due diligence. If you genuinely believe that this much younger more junior woman who you expect to keep secret what is about to happen you know blah 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 blah. so i just thought that is a really good thing for people to bear you know in mind i really liked that essay and um the writer keeps like she populates it with some of her own experiences in the workplace where she's you know she is not a veteran of like full-scale um, sexual assault or um, in the workplace, but she tells some stories that sound like they would be very familiar ones to lots of women. She really analyses her response and um, the perp's response yeah. know, in a really balanced way. That I, 
It's actually a really good example of a very fine legal mind addressing itself to a set of questions. And I think the fact that it's spat out that um, red flag thing is actually just evidence of the meticulousness of Rachel Doyle's brain. Yeah, it was really good. Her experiences were interesting because... In neither of them had she made a formal complaint, but in both of them, in the moment, she had... Um, sort of it, yeah. yeah. so one of them, I think, from memory, was in a lift and yeah. some senior partner or somebody had given her a bit of a grope or something, and she sort of turned around and went, you better watch yourself, buddy, and then I think even maybe shouted down the corridor or something. Yeah, the doors, the lift yeah. doors shut, and then she had, you know, an apology on her desk by 9am. Yeah. yeah, and she said it was sorted and there was never any bad repercussions the person was apologetic alcohol was involved and you know and so on and so she was saying you know if we could empower people to feel you know that they can say that and it goes to something that one of our young friends Stella said to me once which I passed on to you which was I said we need to teach people how to say no and she said no we need to teach people how to receive no yeah and that was like such a good you know thing which is if somebody says no um well don't get snippy or difficult just yeah. go great okay yeah no problem well i think one of the issues is even though it's sort of more often women who are accused of sort of hysteria in the workplace and so on or you know allowing their emotions to interfere with work um i always remember penny wong saying to me in that misrepresented program that is a real misnomer because she said i actually think that women often are aware of their emotions and take them into account when they're making decisions whereas men often in politics aren't aware that they're being emotional because they think they're being rational the whole time. And I think receiving no in the workplace if you're a senior bloke often has mixed up with it all sorts of vanity issues, pride issues, mm. ego issues that are unrelated to the situation but that necess- that absolutely get involved mm. when they're rebuffed or something. It's not just a simple, no, we can't have dinner together or no, mm. I don't want you to put your hand on my boob. It's kind of like... There's a humiliation that really clouds things. Yeah, and unlike in reality, you can't just avoid seeing that person. You've got to see them because you're in the office with them. So it's incumbent on the person who's been rejected, I think, to diffuse any feelings of awkwardness. Right, but it often doesn't work that way. No. Um, Um, Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you finally got round to (laughs) that. uh, That's amazing. Well done. Um, I want to throw in a couple of recommends for things that I've been watching with my kids recently. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not on TV anymore, but it's absolutely available on iview um the show muster dogs oh yeah about um the cattle dog puppies sent out to you know sheep dog trainers and um uh and it's kind of like a reality show to see how they all do my kids and i absolutely loved so i really recommend that on, on iview um also, and because it's sort of about the dogs, but actually it's about the characters. And, yeah, um, right. I think I remember talking to my parents about it um, and just enjoying seeing the kind of country characters that you see all around you if you grow up in the country um, actually being represented on TV is a pretty amazing thing. Um, so, uh, and you've just fallen in love with them. Um, so, absolutely recommend that. More recently, we've been watching a show called um, Brain Game. Are you aware of this? It's on Disney Plus. I I don't know. My kids found it and it is so fascinating. Like we watch it all together and because it's about how your brain works and it's about how your eyes work and how your eyes talk to your brain, how perception changes. There's all these like tricks and experiments that they do um, on screen that explain to you how the different parts of your brain work and how your eyes can mislead you. And it's just... 
No, it sounds not good. very long, but like your kids would absolutely love it, I reckon, because it's just absolutely fascinating. You watch it as an adult. They've put they've poured some resources into it, oh, so great. the effects are really good, and the actors and presenters are amazing. They do lots of sort of experiments with sort of vox pops on the street, and you could just see people's eyes just kind of like <laughs> widen when they realise that they can or can't do this or whatever. Is there anything about the way memories are formed? Um, I've forgotten, but oh. like. <laughs> I'm sure, like, um, there would be. There's, they go through all different um, functions of the brain. Anyway, it's just right. s- super absorbing. It only goes for, like, you know, 25 minutes, so you can definitely watch an episode before bed and, right. you know, just sort of... Anyway, it's great. Really good television that is terrific for kids but also really absorbing for adults. So, um, well done. The other thing that we've started watching is a show on Netflix called The Big Flower Fight. And it is like a reality. It's like you oh, know a, a MasterChef type competition thing. Yeah, I think I've. Is that in the UK? I think I've watched um, one episode of that. It is in the UK. Yeah, yeah. and it's competitive flower arranging. Yeah, basically. is it big floral yeah, sculptures? Huge floral yeah, sculptures. I've watched one episode yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they do some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I how are we going time wise? Oh, one had, and a half minutes left, mate. I had two short things to just touch on. Yeah. One was um. I like a writer called Jumper Lahiri. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's got a Mate, you're not the only one. <laughs> she's got a new Oh, tell called... me about this unknown writer you've discovered. <laughs> she's got a new book called Whereabouts. She went, some of her recent work, she went to Italy. She now speaks fluent Italian and she's been writing in Italian and now her books are being translated. See, that's just showing off. Yeah, it's... But look, the translation, as you know, like if a book's written in a foreign language, it lives or dies on the strength of the translation yeah, and how well yeah. it kind of captures it it was good it was one of those books where i felt like this is beautiful writing really nothing's happening it's just a woman kind of wafting, <laughs> wafting around um rome um but i enjoyed it because i like her writing i think she's uh, you know observant um and i'm reading a book of short stories at the moment have you read it by any chance it's called hold your fire by chloe wilson no uh, i don't um, think i have it's it's really good right she's a young writer it's really good writing it's funny it's sharp it's well observed the stories are all really different to each other um i am enjoying it very much i was just thinking about um translations um and i was just gonna you know some an australian translator um that um i've talked about a little bit on this program on this program on this podcast is stephanie smee who is quickly becoming an international go-to translator for French words. Wow. And she's like, just just keep an eye on everything she puts out because she is ridiculously talented. Mm. And um, everything that she's translated, I've sort of read and enjoyed, and they're often things that I absolutely wouldn't have found and certainly wouldn't have understood if I'd picked them up in the original French. But just while we're talking about smudge, she also speaks German, Italian, and Swedish. Oh, so. wow. And she's a lovely person as well, which makes it just, you know, a quadruple threat. Um <laughs> So, um, uh, did I have anything else that I wanted to talk uh, about? Uh, I feel like there was something else. Oh, look, I've been watching The Dropout, um, which is uh, the... Oh, yeah. yeah the it's Theranos. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Holmes, yes. the Theranos founder. Um, and it's a dramatisation. It's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah, stars, um, Amanda Seyfried and Naveen Andrews. I'm a shocker for this whole story. I've read the book. Um, yeah, you love of, this. Yeah. By, yeah, by John Carreyrou. I've listened to two separate podcasts wow. about it. And now I'm watching the dramatisation. I know everything 
in and out of this story and I don't know why I love it so much except for I think on a deep deep level I've found it comforting in recent years to listen to the story of someone who is in more trouble than me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's an incredible kind of do you are you a fan of the kind of um you know I don't know what you call it when someone's got like a hidden life where they're you know presenting as one thing but they've got a secret you know alter ego which is kind of like I love that yeah I I thought you might like that Secret um, people. And is this good? Should I watch it? Um, yeah, it's really good. Okay, good. But I'm, you know, obviously hopelessly biased. I mean. <laughs> um, I've got something I'm going to say for next time, which okay. is um, John Ronson's latest <gasps> podcast. Oh, man, I've got a lot to say about that. I've listened to the whole thing. Oh, and, great. me um, too. All so, right. yeah, I guess maybe have a listen on it and, um, and join us next time to see if you agree with it. Sounds good. It is called Things Fell Apart. See ya. Bye.